Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. It's time to roll your sleeves up and get your hands dirty with Friends of the Earth. Dirt Radio. And hello and good morning, you're on Dirt Radio with Colin. We're broadcasting live, as usual, from 3CR studio in Collingwood. Dirt Radio is a show sponsored by Friends of the Earth, Melbourne. So you can check us out at www.fo.org.au. And today, we will chat about the fossil fuel future of Victoria. It looks like the beast is stepping down, finally almost on its knees. Hazelwood is shutting down. No coal seam gas, no new coal and gas expansion. And Mantle, the mining company, decided not to explore further the Mirbu North region for coal. Victoria has been mining brown coal for a century now. Unfortunately, brown coal is expensive, hard to ship from Victoria, and doesn't burn really well. Is is it finally time to change your vision for energy future in Victoria? But... Unfortunately, or politics, I'm not really sure if they're really aware of it. Kat Nadel is with me to talk about the current position of our state politics regarding the closing of Hazelwood coal plant, the job transition for the people of the valley, and also the long-term support we must giving them. Kat, you're Safe Climate Campaigner for Environmental Justice Victoria. How are you? Good, thank you. How are you, Colin? I'm very well. What is a safe campaign, climate campaigner? So my job is basically to advocate um, to government and to the community for a safe climate in Victoria. So doing everything we can to cut climate pollution and prevent the worst effects of global warming. So all around Victoria? All around Victoria. And uh, so what are the latest news about the coal plants? So uh, I guess you would have heard the latest news that Hazelwood has announced that it's closing mm-hmm. so as early as, as March next year. So that's probably the biggest update in Victoria's energy transition. But there's also been other things this year, such as increased focus on renewable energy uh, and, and, as you mentioned, um, uh, it's a permanent ban on coal seam gas. So there's a lot of there's a lot of exciting things happening in the climate space in Victoria at the moment. So that's they decided like to close in March 2017. That's really soon, isn't it? It is very soon. So w- when we are talking politics, which party is actually involved into that discussion, and what are their view about the subject? So it's interesting because uh, all parties involved have said that it was a company decision. So the owner of the power station, NG, who's a French multinational company. So uh, everyone has sort of said that it's been it's been entirely the company's decision to close the power station. And so no political party has really wanted to take ownership for closing the power station. Although um, both the, the state government has been very involved in sort of providing support packages for workers in, in the Latrobe Valley community and the federal government has, has tried to do a bit of that as well. Uh, yeah, so, so no one's really taken responsibility, but it does seem clear that in negotiations that um, 
both people in the Victorian government and in the federal government had with the company that no one asked the company to stay open. So they've, they've been okay with the fact that it's closing. So I would like to know if the politics are actually uh, helping the, the community to, to have a fair transition. Yeah, so personally, I think that uh, all governments need to have thought about this a lot earlier than um, at the moment of the announced closure. So uh, most of us have, have known that that Hazelwood Power Station has been closing for a long time. There are workers in the community yeah. that remember when it was going to close about 20 years ago um, who weren't surprised by the news, but were surprised by the fact that there weren't transition plans already in place. Uh, I do think the Victorian government has shown slightly more foresight than most of its predecessors. So in this year's state budget back in May, there was $40 million allocated to supporting regional transition. Mm -hmm. And as a response to the closure, they've set up something called the Latrobe Valley Transition Authority, which is like a new government agency that is doing things like collecting ideas from the community, from workers, from um, local businesses in the area, And, and really trying to provide that much-needed support um, and to, to, to create new industry and, and more a more sustainable and diverse local economy. And how is it working at the moment? Uh, it's really unclear because it's all it's all very new. So I think I think it's I think it's too early to say. Something to take note of is that um, the power the power and energy industry it, it isn't the biggest employer in the region. It comes after the local hospitals, it comes after the service industry, it comes after um, retail, it comes after a lot of things. So there are, it's, it, is, it is going to be a, a tough transition for the community, but it's not the only thing in the area. And I think we need to value the Latrobe Valley for a lot more than just the resource that it's built on top of. Is what the community said about it or are they, are they scared that they're going to lose a lot of jobs? I think there's a diversity of opinions in the Valley, so I'm not from the Latrobe Valley, so I can't really comment, but the community groups that we work with down there, there are many that see this as a concerning moment, but also an exciting opportunity to um, invest in renewable energy, to, to invest in jobs like the Earth Worker Cooperative, which is um, um, uh, affiliated with Friends of the Earth, who mm -hmm. are trying to um, uh, create a worker-owned solar hot water cooperative, Um, which, is a, which is a different kind of economic model that um, it's exciting to see um, tried in, in, in a community that's, that's experienced, uh, yes, the hardship by companies making decisions overseas about their future. How do you see the future of the, um, of the Valley with the point of view of environment justice, Victoria? Uh, so, sorry, I'll just clarify, it's, in, it's Environment Victoria. Um, Environment Justice Australia is a different organisation, oh, but yes. from Environment Victoria's perspective, uh, I think we see we see it as a huge opportunity for for sustainability and for um, yeah for making the Latrobe Valley a really nice place to be. So in Gippsland, there's already some of the most beautiful environment in in Victoria, um, and and we need to protect that. And we see there being a lot of opportunities around that, especially if we're able to preserve it as such a, a lush and, and rich environmental area. Um, we recently released a report um, looking at different opportunities to do with sustainability that could be tried in the valley. So one of them was the Earthworker Cooperative. Another one is to do with energy efficiency and all the jobs that could be created by doing a, um, a retrofit program to make houses and buildings 
more energy efficient in the region. That sounds brilliant. How could we support you and uh, follow what you're doing? Uh, so we've released this report called Life After Coal. Uh, and if you have a look on our website, uh, you can see it there. Um, but uh, I'm always interested in, in talking to people with, with ideas and especially people from the community that are, are passionate about, about seeing justice for the Latrobe Valley. Um, and so, yeah, just, just get in touch via our website or, or email. That'd be great. Thank you very much, Kat. And keep up the great job you're doing. Great. Thank you, Colin. Have a good day. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye. Kat is a safe climate campaigner for Environment Victoria. She just spoke about the political process of the closure of Hazelwood coal power plants and looks like all our politics have been taking like a really, really far too long to step into this process and to really uh, help the community, hopefully with organizations like Environment Victoria or like uh, the Earth Worker Cooperative will be, and also the grassroots community going all together, will see uh, a beautiful and bright future for the valley. Now, now, a quick community announcement, and we'll be back with Marg to talk about an incredible grassroots campaign in Mirbu North. So stay tuned. Friends of the Earth invites you to our annual art auction. On Friday, 25th of November, join us at Arena Project Space, 2 Kerr Street, Fitzroy, for Earth, a live and silent auction of art for Earth's sake. Viewing, bar, food and live music from 5.30. Auction begins at 7. Invite your friends, family and colleagues to help fund our national nuclear-free campaign and celebrate 40 years of holding back the nuclear industry and working for a clean energy future. Friends of the Earth is a 3CR supporter. Strawberries, cherries and an angel's kiss in spring My summer wine is really made from all these things. We are so lucky at 3CR. Artisan winemaker extraordinaire Luke Lambert has given us some wine to share with you. It's $15, folks. That's a major bargain. There's Shiraz, Chardonnay and Rosé, and you can drink it all summer long and toast 3CR. Call us on 9419 8377 or you can go to the 3CR website and look for the 3CR shop. Cool, that sounds easy. So are we posting it out? No, you've got to come into the station. Just make sure you come in before the 23rd of December. Awesome. It's going to be perfect for those hot summer days. Strawberries, cherries and an angel's spring. Luke Lambert is a 3CR supporter. A wine fundraising, what a brilliant idea. I know Luc Lambert is a very, very good winemaker, works mostly organic and a local producer, and I definitely gonna go for a good dozen for me and my friends. So you're back on 3CR Community Radio, a show you're listening is Dirt Radio. It's broadly sponsored by Friends of the Earth and you're with Colin. So the Mantle Mining Company, sounds like Mantle, Mantle, had an exploration mining license for years to drill the Mirbu North community out. 
couple days ago, the infamous company decided not to go ahead with the project. Mirbo North is well known in Victoria to have strongly opposed and resisted coal seam gas under the Lock the Gate banner. And Mark Thomas is part of the, this community. She's one of the many grandmas who have fiercely fought the project to protect the future of Mirbo North community. Hi, Mark. How are you going? Hello, Colin. I'm going very well, thank you. What is the what the beautiful news for your community? Could you tell us a little bit more how does it happen? How it happened, yes. Well, can I just paint a little picture here? Yeah. Uh, this morning This morning I went for a, a bike ride very early, just after sunrise, and the bike, tra- the bike trail takes me along uh, part of the Sreslecki Ranges. It's the Grand Ridge Rail Trail, and uh, it's an area that is bounded by absolutely magnificent farmland and also remnant um, habitat, rem, remnant rain, uh, well, remnant forest, which is habitat for lyrebirds, koalas, etc. And I felt just so happy that these areas had been protected from mining now. And, and I think the whole community is really grateful that, um, you know, we can go on with our lives and, and not worry about mining licenses hanging over our heads. So, yes, that's, that's, uh, that was the feeling this morning um, as I was riding along. Oh, that's, yeah. that sounds lovely, and especially with the weather we have at the moment uh, oh, here in Melbourne, I imagine it's the same. It must be beautiful. Absolutely gorgeous. So we were very, very happy on our bike ride this morning. Yeah. So um, just to give you an idea of the area that we we live in, yeah. um, it's South Gippsland, and we have we we have a huge agricultural industry. We grow carrots, garlic, and they're for export. Potatoes, cabbages, broccoli, onions, tomatoes, berries, and then we've got our beef, dairy, wool, and we've got a tremendous organics industry. Um, also, tourism, of course, is a huge industry here. So, as you can imagine, this area is totally incompatible with coal mining mm. or or CSG mining, as we had that threat as well. Yeah. So even our our housing industry, we've got 60% of new housing in South Gippsland is people seeking a a tree change. So, you know, we've got people coming from out of the area building here. It's just a little oasis, really. (laughs) And finally, no more mining license. Did you have this all this mining license for a long time? Yeah, well, we've had the uh, coal seam gas licences and the coal licences for about, oh, I think over six years. Um, Now, the mining companies took them up um, mostly around 2011 was when we found found out about all the licences. Yeah, so it's been a while, yeah. And could you tell us what happened? Why is this big mining company decided not to go ahead with the project? Well, they they have stated that the price of coal, brown coal, is not very good, and so uh, they've decided they have always have in, have had interests in gold mining. So they've decided to uh, give up their coal um, their coal intentions and um, just 
focus on the on the gold, but we feel that there's also a big component of um, uh, community resistance that we've had in this area, as you know, has been absolutely huge and it's been sustained and resolute and uh, nobody's going to give social licence to mantle mining. So I think that was another big issue in their decision because they, they knew this was very valuable land. Yeah, and, um, very valuable you know, land for you, for, for the community. And like you show yeah. that this this massive, strong resistance hub against coal seam gas with the Lock the Gate campaign. So I could have imagined what your community could have done if they decided to go ahead with this, this awful matter. Well, yes, exactly. Well, we would have um, been able to put up peaceful direct action. Of course, we would have done that and we would have been able to to um, uh, enlist, you know, literally thousands of people who who would have stood by us in doing that. So that was another um, an area that we would have definitely explored had miners have taken up um, any kind of activity in the area. Yeah. So, how did yeah. you start it to to this to to step up and to be ready to take like non-violent direct action yourself? Well, it's not an easy thing to uh, contemplate, really, because no. we're um, mostly, mostly <laughs> we're kind of ac accidental activists. We were, we were sort of, you know, ordinary people who suddenly found out that there were all these licenses and a good chance that... Um, you know, that that they could be developed into mining enterprises. So, um, yeah, to get the community on board with that, we had lots of huge public meetings. We uh, we actually undertook a survey of um, over 800 people to find out what how they felt about supporting the area not having uh, coal or gas mining. So we did that and we found out 96 Seven percent of the community did not want any of this kind any of, of this. mining. Yeah, so yeah, to yeah, there were people who said, "Well, we will do whatever it takes." You know, if you need to do direct action, we will be there to join you. So there were a lot of the community who came on board with that. But, um, yeah, direct action, chaining yourself to tractors is not a thing that appeals to a lot of people. And no. grandmas like myself, would find it difficult. But we would pre be prepared to do it because, um, as I say, we're totally determined and we, we never give up. We don't give up. So, yes, we would be prepared to do that. Oh, that's beautiful. And it, it's awesome that you didn't have to go ahead with, yes. with that, but to see that you were ready and you were prepared and to show that, to show your community that the grandmothers oh, can drive the car with locking devices at the back. Oh, to, yes, that's right. To stop um, them. Were, yeah, yeah. It's very, very good to be ready like that, yes. Is your community still together despite this awesome win of the Lock the Gate campaign? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I think the community now, because we've only just found out this news with the coal mining licences, they're very much relieved and they're, um, you know, we're all patting ourselves on, on, our, on our backs 
yeah, we're just so thankful that this is happening. So the community, yes, we're still together and we're still um, pushing forward because our aim eventually is to absolutely get rid of not only the mining companies but the licenses in our areas. What could be your advice for for listeners who might have some mining license on their land to what to do and how to see uh, the, the future? Well, I think it's important that, um, and I think there are a lot of groups who've formed over this issue, I think it's important to uh, belong to a group and also to get out there in your community, get out to markets, to community events, talk to people on the ground, explain to them what's happening. Um, yeah, if you've got a mining licence over your land, yes, definitely join one of the groups. Um, they'll help you out. Um, also, uh, we found that um, we built up a very good relationship with our local media that includes for newspapers and um, we did a lot of media releases and a lot of photographs going out there of um, the groups and various activities that we were up to. So it's important to build up a good relationship with the media as well. So at least your voice gets heard, you know, hopefully in a balanced way. Yes. Did, did you find it easy to approach your local media? At first it wasn't. Um, they ignored us to a large extent. But, you know, I think one of our main <laughs> drives has been that we're persistent and we don't give up. So we kept sending out our media releases, um, yeah, time after time. And eventually, yeah, they were published. And, yeah, um, it, it did take some time, but by and large, very <laughs> good now. <laughs> and so, like, yeah, never give up. very lucky. Yeah, never. Never give up. You haven't. You haven't been word. lucky, Marg. You haven't been lucky. You worked really hard on it. Yeah, we did work hard, and of course, in this area, uh, what well, we ran a dual campaign, so we had to remain focused on the unconventional onshore gas issue at all times, plus the coal issue at all times. So it was a bit of a juggling act, and we, um, yeah. We worked pretty hard, and at times we felt a bit exhausted, but we did just carry on because it's too important. It's too important for the future. Totally. So, Talking uh, about the future, how do you see the future of your commu community regarding energy? Well, I think um, <clears throat> one of the big factors now is at least the community as a whole has certainty that they're protected from you know, inappropriate mining like the, the gas issue and, and coal. So they can go on with their way of life. They can they can go on with their businesses. Um, at the same time, the renewable energy um, focus is becoming greater because the community is aware that, okay, you know, we've, we don't want these, um, these coal miners or gas miners, but what replaces that. Well, we have renewable energy. We've got an absolutely burgeoning solar energy business in our town in Melbourne North. And, and I think the whole of Gippsland, they're just going crazy over solar. <laughs> it's really 
really amazing. Um, so as far as the community is concerned, they will have opportunities to um, gather more information about renewable energy. For ourselves as a group, we'll be um, taking up uh, renewable energy as a um, as a means to... Well, we'll be, I should explain, we'll be going to markets as we've always done. We'll be going to, out to people to talk about renewable energy and to give them good information and we'll work alongside um, the local people whose businesses are involved in that sector. Yeah. So we'll be a, a large part of our um, public um, interaction will be on that issue now. And that's we'll be beautiful because that. you, you, you build up a campaign like against something and now you just like bring the same people all together and trying to communicate about like what could exactly. you do better. Yes, exactly, exactly. That's exactly what our intention is, yes, for sure. Marg, where could we follow you or get a, keep getting information for you guys, from you guys? Okay, so we've got a, a Facebook page, colon CSG Free Merbu North. Yeah. And um, yes, that's it. And also my page, which is Marg Thomas, has a lot of information on it as well. Yeah. Thank you very much, Mark, for today. We will stay uh, in touch with you and uh, don't hesitate, like Friends of the Earth, his big family, and uh, as usual, you've been always welcomed. Thank you very much, Colin. Bye-bye. And that was Mark Thomas. You can follow her on Facebook. She has like the, this sharp mind and really awesome post. She was talking about like the future of Mirbu North in Gippsland after, just after like Mental Mining Company decided not to go ahead with the awful brown coal mining license. The ACE Anti-Nuclear Collective from Friends of the Earth is fundraising at the moment. They contacted many famous artists and they will run an incredible auction. It's called Hearth. It's an art auction on Friday, the 25th of November. It's going to be at the Arena Project Space. It's on 2 Kerr Street in Fitzroy. And that would be the best opportunity, really, to put your hands on an amazing heart just before Christmas and to support the hard work of this strong campaign. It's going to have like some food, some bar, some live music and some bush dance. It will open at 5.30 p.m. I'm sure you will listen like more of the community announcement this week on 3CR. That's it today for Dirt Radio. We'll be here next week, same place, same time. Don't forget that Dirt Radio is affiliated with Friends of the Earth in Melbourne. You can go on the website at www.fo.org.au and support our kick-ass campaigns with a donation.